You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Friday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And as we continue to uh, look back on what the New York Giants did in the 2022 NFL draft, including uh, some of the undrafted guys that they're going to be bringing into rookie minicamp here in a, in a week or so, we uh, were bringing in uh, Eric Galco, Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel for the Shrine Bowl to, uh, to talk about, uh, about some of the guys who, uh, who played in that game uh, during the buildup to the draft. Eric, thank you very, very much for, uh, for hopping on, spending some time. Thank you, man. Happy to do it. Let's dive in. So uh, before we get specifically into... Uh, talking about the Giants draft, just tell me about about the Shrine Bowl, about your role, about what you do there, about what you guys are are trying to accomplish with that game. Yeah, the East West Shrine Bowl is uh, the longest standing college all star game. It was the 97th uh, game this past year. It's been out for a long time, and for most of that history, it was kind of the preeminent event. Uh, more than other all star games, more than the NFL Combine for most of that time, and what an important part of the NFL and college offseason it was. And I'm hoping to make sure that the Shrine Bowl is, is that way again, where it's an event that media people, NFL teams, players, of course, agents, people in the analytics community, et cetera, get a chance to kind of come together. And we moved the game to Las Vegas, so not a bad spot to do those things <laughs> in for sure. Um, and thankfully, had a lot of success this year in terms of having a great experience out in Las Vegas for our players and teams and 45 draft picks. So it was a great first year on the job. And I'm excited to keep building uh, and, and all the work for the Shriners Hospital for Children, which is a certainly a worthwhile cause and a worthwhile motivating factor for me to do a good job. And in a minute here, we'll get into some of the, uh, the, the guys who played in the shrine, in the shrine game that, that, uh, that are now with the giants. But uh, before we do that, thought we would talk, generically about the the Giants draft class about what they did I'm just curious you know your your overall thoughts as a as a talent evaluator on on what Joe Shane did in his first uh, in his first draft yeah I mean starting off I mean having having a lot of draft picks early draft picks does help right pretty big cause and effect between having two top 10 picks and having a good draft but but I thought one thing that you know in my opinion at least the Giants did a great job of having a real identity and purpose and it's a delicate balance, at least from my point of view, to, to not draft for need, but also have a real clear strategy position-wise. And I think it's very clear from my point of view, hey, we want to add top-end talents across the board, but also guys that fit our long-term trajectory. And, and the Giants likely don't portend to be a team that's going to be competing for a Super Bowl this year unless things break a lot of 
ways in, in their favor, but having a guy like Evan Neal who can play right tackle when you have Andrew Thomas who can play left, adding Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a great scheme fit for that defense and knowing you can build a lot of people around him because they have a lot of strong veterans in that presence. Wandale Robinson, a guy, some people may consider a reach, but he's a dynamic playmaker that really fits what Brian Dable wants to do from that slot position. Daniel Bellinger, I thought was a great value in the fourth and a player I think has a lot of skill sets to be a plug and play starter. Maybe he's not the best tight end in the draft, but can do you know, all three phases of the tight end position. So it just felt they had a real identity of not reaching on need, not just going best player available willy-nilly, but having a real cohesive strategy. I thought it was an awesome uh, first draft for uh, for for that, that front office. You know, I wanted to, to talk about Evan Neal just a little bit because there yeah. was a lot of there was a lot of back and forth about which guy was the best offensive tackle in the class. And I was a big Icky Aquanu fan, still am a big, a big fan of Aquanu. He went six to Carolina. There was a lot of of smoke the last week or so before the draft that the Giants were in love with Charles Cross. But when I when I sit back and think about it now, it's like, well, given their choice of offensive tackles, it seems obvious that the guy they would have chosen is Evan Neal because he's the plug and play fit on the right side where they don't have to think about maybe moving, you know, Andrew Thomas or teaching a guy to play the right side. It, it just seems obvious that he was the right choice. Uh, just your thoughts on, uh, on Neil's fit with the giants. Yeah, I, I think that, and I, I like Devin Neal quite a bit coming into the draft class. And I think he, Charles Cross, Icky Conwu were all really impressive, you know, top of the class type talents for different reasons. Charles Cross, has maybe the highest upside in terms of kick slide athleticism as a left tackle prospect in this class. And that's why some teams had him number one. Iki Akanwu is a guy who um, has a nastiness and can play, you know, upfield in the power run game very, very well. Also can be an elite level guard right away in the NFL. And that's why some teams had Iki as their top tackle. But then Evan Neal, I think the fact that he can play right tackle is more of a benefit than it is a reason why you draft a guy like him. And I think it makes it a little bit easier that, hey, if you're looking between Charles Cross and, and Evan Neal, let's say Evan can play right tackle right now. But one of those delicate needles they're trying to thread here as, as a rebuilding team that has some talent that they inherited is you don't want to throw away the guys from before, but you also don't want to base your entire roster instruction off guys you didn't draft before if you don't you know, necessarily thrill with them. So it's a very delicate balance. I think Evan Neal fits that perfectly because he's played left and right tackle. If he can play right tackle and Andrew Thomas does a great job, Unbelievable win-win. If if Andrew Thomas struggles, made better at left guard. Evan Neal can switch to left tackle in year two. So I think Neal solved a lot of position questions, but no doubt about it, Neal should not have been drafted and was not drafted because he can play right tackle. Neal was drafted because he can be a cornerstone of an offense that's looking to rebuild. You were talking about the the sort of delicate balance and threading the needle between you know with between adding talent and, and guys that they already have and. And right away, as you were doing that, I was thinking about Kadarius Tony and all of the all of the chatter and all of the controversy about Kadarius Tony and not showing up for voluntary workouts and the 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 strange you know injury riddled rookie season that he had. And I'm curious where you stood on Kadarius Tony before he was drafted. Dynamic player. Um, it's really, it was really easy on film at Florida to see him separate just so smooth. And I think the, the ability to move 
as a route runner downfield in the short area, as well as after the catch. I think the dynamic ability and the smoothness of what he plays, it just makes for, you know, very easy to watch football. And, and it's, it's like, hey, this guy, I just want that kind of athlete on my team. I'm not sure where he fits, but I'll figure that out later. I think that's what made him really special. Now, I, I think the question coming out of college was, you know, can he be a, an outside receiver in the NFL? Can he get off press well enough? And then is he is he kind of the type of receiver you want in the very, very short area, those quicker routes as a slot receiver too? So that's one of the questions I had coming out was, is this guy a wide receiver one or wide receiver two in your offense? And if he's a two, he's still a great value. So I think the Giants for sure want to find a way to utilize him in their offense. And I won't speak to anything off the field, but on the field, for the future, whether it's Daniel Jones or whoever the next quarterback may be, if not Daniel Jones, I think they're going to want a Kadarius Tony like talent for sure, because he's pretty unique and pretty special in that way. And um, again, assuming all the off the field stuff is not an issue, and I'm not going to pretend to know much about that on the field. I think every team in the league would love a Kadarius Tony to be one of their top two receivers. Speaking of, you know, Kadarius Tony like talent skill set. Obviously, the Giants drafted Wandale Robinson, and, and you mentioned him you know, at the top. Uh, a lot of people think they drafted him early, but I know Mel Kuyper was like, well, that's at least around early. And, and the, more I, the more I look at the kid, the more I talk to people about the kid, the more I think, you know, obviously he, he's got, he's small, you know, he's got short arms, all that stuff, but get the ball into this kid's hands. And he's a guy that makes life easier on a quarterback. Yeah. And I, I think the question about where he was drafted, it's, it's, you know, by the second round of the draft, especially at a, a skill position or at defensive back, it's hard to really know what other teams are thinking just because schemes are so different and talent assessments so different as well. You know, Wandale Robinson and Tyquan Thornton were two players in round two that were drafted that I saw people in the media saying, Oh, or drafted too early. I talked to other teams and they're saying, damn, we missed him, right? We thought he was going to be there for us. So it's always, you know, a difference of opinion. But I think what makes Wandale really impressive is certainly as a slot guy, he has that subtle short area burst, top end speed. He's not a 4-2 guy, but he can really separate because he has great speed control. And at Kentucky this year, he worked with a really strong arm quarterback, Will Levis, who will be maybe a guy in the Giants radar from next year if things, you know, break a certain way. And Wandale has the ability to really, with Will Levis, Hey, he can win in that short area, slants, drag routes, and, and make plays after the catch. But it's those wheel routes, those vertical routes, that he's able to really adjust his speed and get downfield really naturally. That's the best part about Wandale Robinson's game is that he kind of lulls you to sleep with the short area stuff, and then he can turn on the jets and finish away from his frame, finish as a diving catch player very, very often. So I think they'll utilize him same way as Kentucky, where get him involved in three, four, five catches a game and seven, eight targets. But then when the time's right, break out that wheel route, break out that go route from the slot receiver position and have him break off a big play. Interesting that you mentioned Will Levis because Todd McShay of ESPN is out with his 2023 mock draft as of uh, Thursday morning. And he gave Levis to the Giants. So that just kind of made me chuckle that, that, you, that you made that connection. Great player, Will Levis. And he'll be yeah. extremely talented for next year. It's, it's hard to predict. What's going to happen in two weeks? Not to mention, you know, 350 days from now. But, but I would, I would bet pretty much that that Will Levis is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft. But again, who knows? Maybe the Giants. It all works out this year with their offense, and and Kadarius is there, and Wandale's there, and Kenny Galladay plays better, and Daniel Jones is in a great spot to lead that team for the future. Uh, before we get into your Shrine Bowl guys, uh, I'm just curious. Anyone else? Uh, 
you know, in the Giants uh, collection of draft picks that that you really uh, that you really thought, hey, they might they might have something with this kid. Yeah, Daniel Bellinger jumps out. He's a player I love in the pre-draft process, and and you know really since the preseason of the year, we had a top hundred grade on him and a starting caliber tight end on him as well. I think he has a lot of similarities to a little bit more athletic version of a young Kyle Rudolph. That's kind of the comparison I would draw where he's going to really be effective as a blocker in line and in space at the second level can really finish in the short area. Wasn't utilized a ton as a pass catcher as much as he probably should have been in that San Diego state offense, in my opinion, at least. And I think he's got real upside, but at the very least for a team that desperately had to leave the draft for a starting tight end, in my opinion, I think Daniel Bellinger can fill that role day one and whether he's a long-term guy or not, I think you can get through a whole season with Dalen Bellinger as your starting tight end and be very happy about it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones and, and Jordan Akins are, are, are maybe not it when it comes to long-term yeah. answers at tight end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so let's uh, so let's get into the guys near and dear to your heart here, the guys that uh, that played in the uh, in the Shrine Bowl, uh, or so. DJ Davidson, nose tackle from Arizona State, Giants drafted as a guy maybe to be a rotational tackle for them. Uh, just tell us uh, tell us about DJ. Massive person, massive human being, um, high character guy, great kid. And I think he um, ended up being a leader for that Arizona State team, which had, I want to say, five or six draft picks, maybe four or five draft picks on that defense. But but DJ, for as tall as he is, 6'5", 320-plus, can really eat up space. I think his best skill set as a nose tackle is his ability to actually finish on the ball carrier. And Arizona State does that, you know, for a nose tackle, a lot of those guys are just eating up space and trying to disrupt things a little bit too. But does a great job of, of getting that first contact but having a great sense of balance and timing to extend away from his frame. Um, I think he was one of the, you know, top three or four defensive tackles in terms of stops this year and actually making play on the ball carrier in the whole country at nose tackle. 
Um, it just goes to show for a team that had a lot of NFL talent for him to be making plays in the backfield, I think he was outstanding and really did a great job disrupting zone running block plays, especially Billy to kind of take on one-on-one blockers, keep his inside arm strong and really still finishing the ball carrier. I think his impact in the run game will be felt right away as a rookie. Yeah. He looked to me, just taking a quick look at the kid. He looked to me like a, like a guy. I think I saw him referred to as a plugger, a guy that, that might be your sort of traditional nose tackle, you know, maybe making plays in, in the short area, maybe not really impacting the pass rush all that much, but, but a guy that can, that, that can definitely help you in the run game. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll grow into a lot more as well. He, he wasn't a bad pass rusher as well. And I think in one-on-one situations, you know, four down rushers, he can be an effective, you know, isolation pass rusher in time. But, but I think his most immediate skill set is going to be being on those run defending downs as even a three tech and, and heavier sets or certainly a one tech or zero tech in their defense. But I think long-term you're right. He has a great chance to be a starter. And you know, I joke all the time with, with people on our staff, it's, it's really hard to find human beings that big, not to mention ones that can play football at a high level and have football <laughs> IQ and football instinct. So I think it's, it's hard to find guys like that. And again, for a kid, it's a high character guy, a team leader, a guy who's shown, you know, on ball productivity for a defensive tackle is important. Nice. And a fifth round pick for the Giants. Good value at that point in your mind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys like him don't don't go on to the draft. And I think he was going to get drafted and to get that, you know, top five round pick really where teams want to get the guys they like a lot. And I think to leave the fifth round with a guy like DJ who may end up starting for them this year would be awesome. All right. And there were two Shrine game players who have reportedly signed with the Giants as undrafted free agents. And, and I always caution that we have not seen an official release from the Giants that said we've signed, you know, undrafted free agents, A, B, C, and D. So these are guys that, that as far as we know, are going to be Giants. Two players from the Shrine game, uh, Jay Sean Corbin, running back from Florida State, Tyrone Truesdale, a defensive tackle from Florida. Eric, let's talk about, uh, about Corbin first. Emery Hunt, a football game plan is a friend of mine and Emery saw Corbin's name on the Giants list of, of UDFAs and he's like oh man my favorite running back in the whole class I think he's going to be awesome for the Giants so he was really fired up about the Giants getting Corbin just tell me about your exposure to him at the Shrine game and, and what you think of him as a player yeah I talked to Jay Sean a lot during the draft process he he did leave squarely at Florida State and uh you know I told him about kind of what the process is in the draft process, incredibly, you know, smart kid, um, you know, high football IQ, high just general awareness of the world as well. And I think he knows and he knew in the draft process where he had to get better as a player and got better during the draft process, which is hard to do for a lot of guys to really improve something. And for example, at Florida State, use as a pass catcher, but not use as a complete route runner, improve that, getting the Shrine Bowl as well. He knew how to get bigger and, and I think tested fairly well for a guy at his build and size, but I think for Corbin, what you know, the two things you're going to get is one, he can do all three phases of the game. He can pass block. He has to get better there, but can pass block. He is a effective route runner and after catch receiver, and then can really finish as an outside zone running back at a high level. So I think those three things you're getting right away that can definitely work in any NFL running back rotation. And why I thought I was surprised that he ended up being drafted. But in the second piece is that he's still young and he's still getting better as a player. And to have a guy like him who's willing to get better, has gotten better in his career, and can already add to two or three phases of your offense. There's a lot of upside there from developing to a key part of their running back rotation for the future. I don't have it in front of me. How big is he? 
Do you know offhand? Uh, 5'11", I think around 195, 200. Um, so not a lighter guy. Let me pull it up here. Um, but not not a small guy by any stretch of the imagination. All right, but a guy that could uh, that could handle at least initially some third down duties. Hundred uh, percent. I I think by the end of training camp and by the start of the season, he'll be four, five, six touch a guy game um, for the Giants, and maybe grow to a lot more in the future. All right, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Truesdale a little bit. Uh, yeah. Another guy that will uh, that will compete, you know, for a spot as a, as a rotational player on that uh, Giants defensive line. Yeah, um, similar to DJ Davidson, similar size in terms of body, you know, body weight, 320 plus, massive nose tackle, played at Florida and Auburn um, in his college career. A little bit on the shorter side compared to DJ. DJ being that, you know, 6'4 plus 6'5 is, is pretty rare for a nose tackle at that size. Tyrone, closer to 6'1, 6'1 and a half, 6'2. But I think for Tyrone, really does a great job of winning with hands off the snap. That was his kind of secret pot weapon in college, is he can win initially with strong hand placement and get that initial pushback against, especially undersized offensive line. But I think for teams that run a lot of zone blocking schemes that want to run, you know, have centers and guards at 295, 300, 305. I think that's kind of the guys that Tyrone did a really good job against in college. He can get that initial push, win with his hands. I think he's got to get better as a pass rusher. doesn't really have a lot of that to his game right now. I think he can, because he's not super long, if he had missteps at all in the run game, he can kind of miss some opportunities. But I think he's got a, a strong motor for a guy that size and really strong hands to win initially. So I think he'll be fighting for a rotation. It's very clear the Giants wanted to add a lot of interior defensive linemen in this draft class and really beef up that defensive front seven. I think he'll have a chance to compete. And, you know, one of the good things about as a UDFA landing with the team that's kind of a new regime like this in New York is that it's open competition everywhere. PFAs and last year's first round picks are on the exact same, you know, level playing field. Hey, all you guys are first year in my book, and I think I have a great chance to compete. You think uh, you think we could see both of those guys end up on the uh, on the fifty three? Um, I mean, and that's yeah, I, that's I think, that's hard to say. Yeah, I, I think I think Corbin. No, I think Corbin has a great chance to. I think the fact that Corbin's younger, um, I think they'd love to maybe stash him for a year and and see if they can develop him. But again, he's going to be. I, I don't know their depth chart that well who they may have, but I think he's going to be one of their top three or four running backs. Um, I think Truesdale is, is, is a guy they'd love to probably stash and find a role for him for the future. But, D, I mean, obviously DJ is going to play right away as a fifth-round pick. But but Corbin has a chance to compete, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to stash him on practice squad for at least the first few parts of the season uh, to get him a few more reps and make sure he's healthy for the second half of the year. You did hit on one thing, though. It is a new regime, and people ask me about players, and they ask me about scheme, and they ask me about fit. And my response all the time is, you know, guys, we've seen one voluntary minicamp practice. <laughs> we don't yeah. know. We don't. It's a new head coach. It's a new GM. It's new coordinators. We don't know what exactly we're going to see. So it is pretty much uh, open competition and, and kind of fun to watch, actually. Yeah. And that's, that's a great part, right? You, you basically, you know, for, for Joe Schoen and Brian Dable, you know, they inherited you know, a 50 man draft class, right? All those guys from last year's draft or the previous regime are all new guys to them. So I think it's, it's fun to do that, but it's also again, friend of that needle, you don't want to disband in the path past. And you also want to make sure you're planning for the future. And that's why this offseason, this draft class was super unique for Joe Shona company, but I thought they did a great job and add a lot of great players, kept a lot of positions up for competition and set their current players up for success. And we'll see if guys like Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas can, uh, can, can make good on it. Hey, before I let you go, I got to pin you down on where you stand on Daniel Jones. Is he the Giants quarterback next year? 
you know, 2023, or are they, uh, are they moving on to Will Levis or someone else in the draft class? You know, I thought, I thought it was a really good move. And a few teams that done this, the lions as well with Jared Goff, where especially when the quarterbacks start falling, it's really tempting to say, let's just take this guy. And, and it's hard, you know, to know what's going on in that building. The fact that the lions and the giants, two teams that have quarterbacks who are, have had some success, but maybe aren't viewed as a long-term guy right now, the Giants pass on quarterback. And I think that shows that, hey, they want to give Daniel Jones every single opportunity to be successful. And if they have Kadarius Toney, it's Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, now Wandell Robinson, Saquon Barkley, they added Dale Bellinger. They're going to have a lot of opportunities. And I think sometimes we overlook the fact that quarterback success in the NFL is part talent and part opportunity and part situation. And I think Daniel Jones has the opportunity. He's had that. I think he's in a better situation now. We'll see if the talent can rise to the occasion. So I'm, I'm generally more willing to wait and see how quarterbacks can do with new situations around them versus just giving up on guys. I think it's, you know, personally, I think it's crazy that we've kind of thrown aside Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold as an NFL. I'm not saying those guys are special either, but they've also had tough situations. I think the Giants are, are very wise to, to give Daniel Jones every opportunity. And one of the other, you know, quiet things as well is that next year's quarterback class, you kind of hinted, is also very strong. So I think it made a lot of sense to give Daniel Jones every opportunity because if he's great this year and he's your guy, then you might have a first-round draft pick that you can trade back or whatever else because teams want that quarterback. And you have more – if you have a quarterback and a team in a quarterback-heavy draft, it's like gold for NFL teams. So it's a win-win. If Daniel Jones is great, they've got a great quarterback to build on for the future. If he struggles a little bit, they want to go next year's draft class. Luckily, there'll be four or five guys to go after and go get. So win-win for the Giants either way. And hopefully, Daniel Jones does work out. All right, Eric. Hey, thank you very, very much for a few minutes. Why don't you, uh, you know, let people know where they can find your work and let people know where they can find out more about the, uh, about the Shrine game. Absolutely. We, uh, you know, Shrine, the NFL draft is done and the Shrine Bowl is, uh, was, was thankfully, I think a success this past year based on the event and how many players got drafted and we're excited to build more. So we're excited to start on 2023. We're already there. We're already knee deep in it. We're already getting ready our social content for May, June, July. So watch out for more, 2023 NFL draft kind of work we're doing and, and also some of the cools of the Shriners hospitals doing around the country. So appreciate the time as always, man. Hey, thank you very, very much. Giants fans. Thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to big blue view radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, please stay safe out there, take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. 
this and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.